0: I'm Brett Chang.
1: And I'm Sarah Bernica, And this is your Peak Daily for Tuesday, March 8th, where we cover the day's top Canadian news stories in about seven minutes.
0: Okay, well, Sarah, welcome to the Peak Daily. For those who don't know, Sarah is our editor here at the Peak, and we're really happy to, to have her on today.
1: Thank you so much, Fred. And I, I have to say, you and Jay do such an amazing job with this podcast, but it could not be a better day to have the first woman host. So thank you for having me
0: on. And you know what, it couldn't be a better day to have our first female host on. It is International Women's Day. And Sarah, are you doing anything to celebrate?
1: I mean, truthfully,
0: I just think it's
1: a great day to spotlight women, which is what I hope these stories accomplish. And I may or may not indulge in some Prosecco that they're serving at our WeWork this morning.
0: I know, you know, it's said it's for women only. And so, you know, it's. I think it's worth celebrating and I'm happy for you. Uh, I will not be indulging per the rules, but yeah, it's uh, cheers to that, I guess.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll sneak you one, Brett, don't worry. But uh, yep, let's get into our stories for today. So Brett, what do we have for our Peak Pals today?
0: For our first story, the role of women in Ukraine's defense. For our second story, Iceland takes all-in gender parity numbers. And for our third story, Canada's plan for childcare.
1: So for our first story, we're looking at the role of women in Ukraine's defense. Brett, this is a pretty timely story. Can you walk the Peak Pals through the role of women in Ukraine's military?
0: For sure. So as the war in Ukraine escalates, women are playing a growing role in the country's defense on the front lines, in parliament, and beyond. Women have been part of the Ukrainian military since 1993, but their role and numbers grew in the years since the 2014 pro-Russian insurgency in the East, which resulted in a military conflict.
1: Right. So let's walk through a timeline after 2014. So 2016, women were granted the right to fight and serve in a variety of combat roles in Ukraine, including infantry commanders and snipers. Then, in 2018, Ukraine passed laws to ensure equal treatment of women in the military, and the numbers grew even further. Fast forward to a few months ago, most Ukrainian women aged 18 to 60 years old were required to register with the military before the end of 2022 in the event of a major war. Now, this didn't mean that they'd be required to serve, but it did allow the military to contact them if they needed support. Today, women in Ukraine make up 23% of the country's military, which is up 7 percentage points from last year. And it's a number that could grow if that expanded reserve of women is mobilized.
0: Now, here's why this all matters. After the 2014 war in eastern Ukraine, the military confronted the reality that it just can't afford to discriminate. Actually, women currently take more non-combat military roles, such as human resources, financial services, and logistics officers, nurses and medical and supply technicians.
1: And a bit closer to home, women make up 16% of military forces in Canada. But a Canadian Armed Forces survey shows that women still find the military as one of the least appealing career choices, second only to mining and banking. So we still have some work to do. Taking it to our second story, Iceland takes all in gender parity numbers. Brett, what do you know about the most recent global gender gap
0: report? I don't know much, Sarah, but what I do know is that the World Economic Forum puts together the Global Gender Pay Gap Report, and that shows that it will take the US and Canada, believe it or not, 61 and a half years to close the gender gap. Now, the report benchmarks 156 countries across economic participation and opportunity, educational attainment, health and survival, and political empowerment. Now, for the 12th year, Iceland is the most gender equal country in the world, followed by Finland, Norway, New Zealand, and Sweden.
1: There is some good news here though, Brett. Canada actually does one thing really, really well, and that's education for women. We have one of the highest university enrollment rates, so that gap is now closed, actually, when it comes to educational attainment, and the health and survival gap is almost closed. So. Another good part about that is that we're seeing much of this year's overall progress being attributed to improvements in the political empowerment subindex. even though Canada still joins the 17 countries in which women have been empowered collectively for less than one year in the last 50. So, Sarah, what's next? Pay parity is a big one, Brett. It's because the social benefits of supporting women through to that goal are significant. It means increasing household income, producing jobs, generating wealth, and directly reducing poverty. In fact, Desjardins estimates that we'd see an eighteen billion dollar economic boost to Canadian household income if women's wages were equal to men's in comparable jobs.
0: And since the gender pay gap can be attributed to the distribution of men and women across industries and women's overrepresentation in part-time work, the fact that women are coming out of the pandemic more educated than ever before and gaining ground in male-dominated industries like business and finance, it's particularly promising. And that takes us to our final story. The federal government pitched its $27 billion child care plan as a way to save families money and make it easier for parents to stay in the workforce while raising kids. Now, this is something that would benefit mothers in particular. Now, Sarah, with all the provinces and territories except for Ontario signed onto the plan, we wanted to know, what will national child care mean for Canada?
1: Well, Brett, it's probably worth starting with a refresher for the Peak pals. Canada's current childcare system varies from province to province, but in general, childcare is provided by private, for-profit, and nonprofit organizations. Fees range significantly across the country, with toddler-age childcare ranging across the nation, from $451 in Winnipeg to as much as $1,500 per month in Toronto and more.
0: And interestingly enough, Quebec is actually the exception. So, roughly one third of childcare in that province is delivered through not for profit childcare centers that are directly funded by the government and cost, again, believe it or not, $8.50 per day. Now, the fees charged by most other childcare providers are tightly regulated, though unregulated private centers also do exist. As a consequence, Quebecers pay significantly less on average for childcare than Canadians elsewhere.
1: Yeah, Quebec's the North Star here, Brad. Our country's new childcare program is informed by this model. The country, in fact, is aiming to cut fees by 50% this year before dropping them further to $10 per day by 2025, which is why the federal government's program is so important. Quebec's experience shows us that when childcare costs go down, more women can enter the workforce.
0: Yeah, that's right. And Quebec's definitely the North Star indeed. So between 1997, when Quebec's childcare program began and 2016, the number of mothers with kids aged zero to five increased by 16%. Now in the rest of Canada, it only increased by 4%. And this has helped narrow the pay gap between men and women in the province. Working age women in Quebec earn 92 cents for every dollar earned by men, while outside the province, the gap is 87 cents for every dollar.
1: But there's a big but here. The countries that have successfully brought more women into the workforce and closed the pay gap go beyond providing affordable child care and also offer generous paid leave policies. Sweden, for example, offers new parents 480 days of combined paid leave at roughly 80% of their salary. That's compared to Canada's 175 days at 55% of salary. Sweden's labor force participation rate for women is seven points higher than Canada's, and its gender pay gap is among the lowest in the OECD. Which brings us to the bottom line, Brett, which is the rollout of national childcare across Canada will bring more women into the workforce and narrow the payback. But inequities in these areas are likely to persist.
0: Well, Sarah, that was a great episode. Thanks for joining us today. And P Pals, as always, thanks for making us the most listened to and only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country.
1: If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review.
0: And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. And as always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode.
1: Thank you, Dale, and thank you so much, Brett, for having me on.
0: Thanks, Sarah, and happy International Women's Day to everyone.